This is episode number 74 of the Paleo Women Podcast. Welcome to the Paleo Women Podcast. I'm your co-host, Noelle Tarr, a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And with me is my partner in crime, Stephanie Ruper, author of the best-selling book, Sexy by Nature. This show is the place to be if you're a fan of moderately amusing banter and uninhibited real talk relating to health, nutrition, fitness, body image, and just about everything in between. While hanging out with us, please remember the information on this podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material and should not be used in place of medical advice or treatment. Now, let's have some fun. Stephanie, 74. Yo, babe. 74. That's a lot of time that we've... <laughs> I feel like every time we start a new episode, I'm like, are we... We've really been... We've I was just going to say episodes? that. <laughs> There's got to come a point where we're just like totally complacent about it and like whatever. And we roll into the podcast and <laughs> every, nobody slept, everybody's hung over and we're like, sup audience. Okay. We'll get there one day. <laughs> um, I just, this is cool. I mean, yeah, it's just been a long time. I It's actually been a long time since we've talked because you've been dancing your heart away in Boston, according to Facebook. How are things going for you? Are you enjoying your time here in the United States of America? I am in most of the ways. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, guy drama, I'm guessing? Well, when when isn't there? Yeah. Uh, Although I did just have a big win in a game with a guy I've been playing a game with for a very long time. So... Uh, that's nice. Uh, P.S. Please don't be judgy and be like, oh, I don't play games. Everybody plays games. I'm just cognizant of it. <laughs> B. <laughs> I'm having a great time here because I'm staying with uh, my best friend who's a dancer and we're just laughing the entire time. And also she recently acquired a boyfriend who is amazing. And I am just filled with so much joy for the two of them. I just watching them smile when they're together. My heart hasn't felt so big in uh, quite a long time. So that's like, that's a seriously positive addition to my life. And I'm super stoked. Awesome. Yeah. She's super cool. You guys look like a fun dynamic duo. I'm sure you sweep the floor when you're dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We do clean up. It's interesting because Noelle's always commenting on our Facebook posts or like, cause there's photos of us I on just Facebook. Love you. She's like, you're so pretty. You do wear so pretty. Um, she was a, like a beauty contestant, you know, growing up. And so, uh, I'm like, I'm the troll of the bunch of no, my friends. I always am. I am. I'm like the short, stumpy little sidekick. Not like there's no. anything wrong with that. Nope. No, not at all. I do not agree. I know. I just love seeing all the photos of you because there's not that many. And so, like, when I'm like, oh, you're Stephanie, um, I can't help. I can't help but react with the Facebook love emotion. Well, you know, there's a, there's a ton of videos of me on the internet now because I have made them. Have you I seen I did them? see that, too. <laughs> Stephanie, I got so excited. I know this is so lame. And, like, we're the BFFs, you know, and we talk all the time. But I was like... There's videos of her. Like, she made videos of herself. So I did go and look at your new website. And I looked at all your cool videos. And I just had a big smile. Please do tell. Make the announcement. Officially. Okay. I will tell the audience. Okay. So I created a website teaching people how to dance. Yay. Yeah. And 
I, I really, I really love it. And I pontificate about dancing and I talk about different dance techniques. And so there's things very relevant to my life um, in there. And a lot of things that I think about all the time. And there are instructional videos on how to do things. And so if you want to see me be an idiot in front of a camera, you're more than welcome to go watch. Can I give you a, recommend it, but uh, I'll give you a definite compliment. You've come a long way. And I think it's, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that to come off as like you were horrible before, but look, no, I, I think, a- I think being in like doing the podcast and having to have presence and talk and answer and like explain things I think has really helped. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I also think um, when I make videos about dancing, it's I feel like it's more necessary to have a video because I need to like kind of show you things. Right. So I feel okay about it. But whenever I made a video about paleo, I always just felt kind of narcissistic. Like, here's me and my cool life. Like, no. <laughs> no, it's not cool. But dancing is very cool. Um, if you want to check it out, it's The Perfect Follow. You can find it on Facebook or the website is theperfectfollow.com. And there's no obligations there. But it's a, it's a big part of my life now. And I'm pretty, pretty excited, you know, because I didn't have enough projects. Right. Yeah, this is definitely going to help with all that free time you had. Theperfectfollow.com. We will link to it in the show notes. I will say I went and watched the video where you talked about how to select shoes because <laughs> shoes. <laughs> I talked for 10 minutes about picking shoes. It was the best. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, quick update on my life that is not really relevant to the things paleo. We have moved. I am actually in my guest room in my parents house looking at myself because there is a mirror directly in front of me which is super awkward but i've made this makeshift like podcasting studio in the upstairs bedroom guest bedroom so i am officially living with my parents and slightly homeless in virginia i have to tell you this quick story stephanie We packed up everything on saturday had a lot of friends help us move which was fantastic Uh, We are moving ourselves because why not? And as we were packed, we got, we rented a pod. The pod drops in front of your house. You load all your stuff in. They take it and store it away. So we thought that'd be a great idea. And then they'll just deliver it to us in Philadelphia. We got a pod that was far too small. So this is a a life lesson (laughs) uh, because we'll probably be moving quite a bit with my husband's new job and we've we're going to be renting a smaller house for now just as we kind of start and get things going with this new job and uh we rented a pod that was too small so we had all this stuff um and all these people that were helping us move and we were like we've got to get this extra stuff somewhere so we ended up having to rent a storage unit in annapolis and store stuff there so now we have to like drive up there rent a moving truck put all our stuff in to this moving truck drive up to philadelphia and then get the pod delivered and then all of our stuff will be up there so so fun it was a really exciting weekend it was a lot of fun i'm a little drained <laughs> little drained <laughs> Um, and it's just a lot of change and it was super, it was very emotional. And if I talk about it too much, I probably will start crying, but it's like, it's really hard to pick. And you know, this stuff, but like once you've created these like really deep roots in a community and you have like family and all these people, and then you move 
like you just feel like you're leaving your life behind, you know? And it's like, so we, we <laughs> literally like we were rushing all weekend. We were putting out fires. We were trying to get everything into this pod and figuring out how to store it all away. We cleaned the house. We did the walkthrough. And then literally we got in the car and we both just started crying because we were like, oh, my gosh, we're leaving. You know what I mean? And we've we've this has been our, our identity essentially for the last five years. This is the first house we moved into together as a married couple after deployments. This was the first place we did a lot of things together. And this was like, you know, this is where our best friends were, our family, the Naval Academy. It's like everything that makes us us is like literally gone. Not gone, mm-hmm. but it's behind us, you know? And so um, I wrote a, I wrote an email. I, when I, First thing I did when I got here was I wrote an email to my email list, um, which I will link to in the show notes, but uh, that you can subscribe. But I, I try to do a little bit more personal stuff on my email list. And I just wrote about change and how it's so hard but in order for you to actually uh, see progress in life, you inevitably have to initiate change. You can't just stay and be uh, always comfortable if, in fact, you want to see progress. So we're seeing progress in certain areas of our life, but it's also a life lesson that's applicable to uh, health and fitness. You know, if something's not working for you, you need to initiate change and shift things around. And it helps you get out of that one-way mentality and dogma and paloing harder and, you know, so... It's been a whirlwind of a week, um, but I'm. I feel like we're sort of. I'm. I'm ready to get to Philly. <laughs> I really am. But it's. We're going to be here for an, a good month, so. Which is hard. Yeah, I guess you could just try and make it relaxing. You know, appreciate it as much as you can. I'm trying. I'm really trying. I just, it's just really hard for me to do because, like, I have a business to run and, like, I'm downstairs working and my mom's like, hey, honey, so I wanted to talk to you about the birds outside and I love my mom to death. But, man, you know, when you're, like, I'm used to being in my own house and I'm like, uh, okay, let me take an hour away so we can talk. Um, it's it's just a shift in, you know, it's a shift. Yes. Got to figure it all out. So, so working from my parents' house. Which I'm very grateful for. Very grateful for. But been a lot. So we'll see. My emotions will probably be all over the place in the next few weeks. Be fair warned. You've been very supportive. I appreciate that, Stephanie. Uh, I, I've, I mean, I haven't actually done anything. I've offered to do things. Which is <laughs> almost just as good. So. <laughs> so. Oh, well, it's sincere. Yes, it know. is. It's the thought okay. that counts. Okay. Yes. One quick announcement before we get into questions today. The NTA, Nutritional Therapy Association, which is where I went, the school I went to to get certified to become an NTP, which it takes about nine-ish months. They have officially opened registration. It was supposed to open June 1. I think it opened June 20th. So what you'll do, you'll open the, uh, you'll just go to the NTP page or NTC, whichever one you choose. You'll download the registration form. Please, please remember, they've been emailing me and gotten, we've had to go back and forth about this. When it it says like, who were you referred by? If you end up signing for this program, please make sure you put paleo women because you will get a hundred dollar check written back to you and sent to you to spend on whatever you want. So don't forget to just write that in into the referral section. You actually have to do a paper application when signing up for the program. You won't regret it. Let us know if you have any questions. You can also reach out to the NTA, which they are very helpful. Um, but that's just a quick reminder. Don't lose out on <laughs> don't lose out on free money. That would make me sad. Uh, any other announcements from Paleo for Women before we jump in? No. Great. 
Collagen is the most abundant protein in the body and is a key constituent of all connective tissues. It provides strength and structure to bones, joints, muscles, skin, and hair, and affects our gut integrity and digestive strength. This is why we're big fans of Vital Proteins, which offers 100% pasture-raised collagen products, as well as beef liver capsules. Their most popular product, collagen peptides, can easily be added to water, smoothies, teas, and soups for supplementation, and the beef gelatin can be used to make things like homemade gummies or cookies. As a special offer for our community, Vital Proteins is offering a buy two items, get one free discount on their website, plus free shipping. To get this incredible deal, simply head over to vitalproteins.com and use promo code PWP, all caps, no spaces at checkout. Check the show notes for more details about this special deal. Question number one is from Sydney. Hi, ladies. I wrote you to a little over a year ago with questions on fertility, getting my period back, and trying to get pregnant. After burying myself in avocados, paleo brownies, quitting my job, my period was still nowhere to be found. Every doctor suggested we go for IVF. The journey has proven to me that while it's honorable to do all we can to help our bodies, sometimes it's not within our control, and that's okay. I feel you, girl. It's been a heartbreaking road, but we are now on our fourth attempt with high hopes and heavy hearts. My question, the high doses of hormones, steroids, and blood thinners have made me gain an uncomfortable amount of weight. I've gone from a size zero to six in just a few months, and I'm growing by the day. My question is in regards to accepting change, change in my body, change in my skin, change in my focus, change in who I am. The reason I am feeling so much agony in my new size is not because of the size itself, but what I used to be. Trying to fit into clothes that used to fit, looking at photos of what I used to be, feeling pressure to maintain the size and persona that I used to carry so people don't whisper to each other when my back is turned. What happened to her? Society seems to negatively disguise acceptance as settling, and if you accept how you are, then you're lazy and unmotivated. I can't get this notion out of my head, and I think it's illogical. Do you have any insight into embracing an ever-changing life and body? Thank you so much, Sydney. This is a exciting. This is a great question. I'm really glad you're asking it, and I'm glad that you're being so thoughtful about what you're going through. I think the first thing I would like to make is an observation which is that I think if you changed and it were for something you thought was for the better, you wouldn't be obsessing about the past, right? So say you had been a size six and all of a sudden you became a size zero. Would you still be looking at photos wishing that you were a size six? I don't know. I'm willing to bet the answer is no. It's possible your answer is yes, but I'm willing to bet it's no. And for that reason, I, I, I think that we should talk about change. But I also think that when we talk about change, we cannot help but escape the notion of value and escape our perspectives and escape whether that we perceive that change to be positive or negative. Right. So human beings, we are valuing creatures. I'm sitting in a theology building right now. I'm really sorry. Um, We are valuing creatures and we can't turn off 
uh, an evaluation of things or judgment, right? Everybody's always talking about how terrible it is to be judgmental. But here's the thing as human beings, we literally cannot stop being judgmental. What we can do is change how we feel about things. And what we can do is remove the moral components to things and just sort of perceive them, take a step back, see what's going on in our psyche and try and choose something that is healthier or better for us. So while you're going through these changes and you're worrying about what you used to be and and you bring up the point of what other people are thinking, you need to find a way to make this a change that you're excited about. Right, change is always happening, and a lot of times we're often excited about it, and sometimes we're not, and that's just the way things are. Right, the only thing that never changes is the fact that things are always changing. So, try and get psyched about it. And how do you do that? Right. So, I I think the way to do that is to see it as a part of what you're doing. To take pride in the fact that you have undergone all of these really challenging, emotionally challenging steps to try and have a baby, right? Take pride in the fact, I I think it's fine. I think it's great that you're doing IVF. Like there's no shame in that. And I think you can be proud of yourself for being strong enough to handle it and proud of yourself for sticking through this with your husband and all of the things that you're doing. And perhaps you can turn that into something that you feel very comfortable with. And this is not something that's your fault. And again, even if it were your fault, who cares? Because gaining weight is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not your fault, right? Your These hormones and steroids and the like are doing this. And so there's nothing to blame on your body and there's nothing to blame on yourself and there's nothing to feel bad about except for what other people think of you. And I think that's probably ultimately what's at the root of this, as is always for all of us, is how people judge us in our bodies. And that question of people whispering behind your back, of people gossiping about what's changed or looking at you differently, that's a very real thing. Unfortunately, people in our culture are judgmental about bodies in a way that isn't simply like, oh, hey, there's that thing, but also... um, public and nasty and moralizing and and it's really hard to escape that and so I would encourage you to as much as possible surround yourself with people who understand surround yourself with people who don't care with people who love you as you are Um, maybe tell people about what you're going through just be really honest about it be really open Um, engage in conversations with people who you think might end up being judgmental so instead of judging you they are empathetic instead these are all some possibilities, you know, uh, bundle yourself up in all that pride I was talking about earlier that you can have in yourself for undertaking this hardship for the sake of your family. If you wear that sort of armor, you know, or project it even as an offense, project this pride and this confidence and excitement, then it'll make it all the harder for you to be hurt by other people being ignorant, other people being mean, other people being petty, whatever they are, well-intentioned as they may be, you can protect yourself in that way. Um, so I think, I think I probably want to leave it at that. We could, t- I could, I could keep going, but I, I would love to hear what Noel has to say. Um. Okay. So a couple things that are just going to be random. The first is. 
I, I think it's interesting, and I, I do want to put this out there, and I know, Steph, you probably have your own examples of this, but I think it's really important to to harp on the fact that no, no matter how in control you think you are, when it comes to health and fitness, and I know that making shifts to your health and fitness, so like including the right type of movement and including nutrient-dense foods. Like, we know that can positively affect your life, your body's capability, your well-being, your mental health, all that stuff. Um, But you are never completely in control of your body or your health. And things are going to continue to happen that are out of your control and that are not your fault. And I love, Sydney, that you've taken that approach to things and you've kind of come to terms with that because I feel like a lot of people do not are, are not able to. They they keep chasing things and they keep trying to, to um, control their food in hopes that they can control their body and can control their health. And the reality is we are not. We are not in com- complete control and things continue to happen that we don't understand and we don't have a reason for. And yes, paleo is great and eating less processed foods is great and doing the right things for your body is great. But that doesn't all of a sudden make you bulletproof to disease or to uh, things, circumstances that are out of our control, like being unable to get pregnant. Um, And, you know, there may be a reason or a root cause, but that doesn't mean that it can be found or so easily changed. And and I think that a lot of those kind of things, which just, it's hard to come to terms with. So I, I just, I think it's awesome that you have. And I know a lot of people have chronic diseases, chronic illnesses, um, you know, autoimmune conditions, all that stuff. It's not your fault. You know, it's not your fault. And, and a lot of people say, well, I know I did this to myself because I was doing A, B, and C. Yeah, maybe you were operating in a specific way that led to the occurrence of a specific disease, the manifestation of a specific disease. But that doesn't mean that it's your fault because I could have done the exact same things and I wouldn't have manifested or my body wouldn't have developed the same autoimmune condition. So bodies are complicated. History, genetics, all of that stuff is complicated. Environments are complicated. And yes, we can affect our health positively, but we are never 100% in control. And once we give up that feeling and, and allow that to, to be our reality, I think we'll have a lot more freedom and peace overall. So, Sydney, awesome. I love that you're approaching your life moving forward uh, with that attitude. Um, it's an interesting conversation. I, I The struggle is real when it comes to how society perceives somebody else's, not their own, uh, fluctuations, right? And I'm kind of a person that likes to talk about this. You've probably, if you follow me on Instagram or have seen my, you know, rants on the emails, I talk about fluctuations. (coughs) Excuse me. (laughs) I talk about fluctuations and how fluctuations are normal. It is asinine to me to think that in society, we know full well that Every day is not the same. We know that life changes, but for some reason, we don't think that our body should change. It's like we're, we're well aware that stressors come, that, that, you know, our life fluctuates. Weeks fluctuate, years fluctuate. We have good and bad months. It's like all, we're all over the place, right? And, and we're always being exposed to different inputs, but, but by, by gosh, you know, our, our body should stay the exact same and we should always be a size two. 
And that makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, so that's kind of one of the things that I'm trying to break from people thinking about is, you know, your life isn't always the same. So why should you, why should your body always be the same? And why is it a negative thing when our bodies change with us and adapt to certain changes with us to keep us alive? Uh, Sydney, I think it's great that you're like trying to, you've, you've, your concept is my body is on, I, you know, I'm on my body's team. I'm working with it. And, and I love that. Um, <clears throat> the people who say, you know, acceptance is settling, um, are, oh, I'm going to be nice, are misinformed. Um, they're misinformed about health and they're misinformed about how, circumstances affect other people. And I'll go out on a limb and say those people who think that really don't have your best interest at heart, the people who love you and who know what you're going through uh, and know that you uh, want to be healthy and you want to have a baby and you're trying to do the things that are best for your body are not going to turn their or behind your back, going to go and say, what happened to her, right? Um they're going to be on your team. They're going to be on your side and they're just going to surround you and support you. And the people who think that, uh, I just, ain't nobody got time for that, right? Like, why surround yourself with people or even worry about, and I get it, it's hard not to think about people and other people and what society's perception is because we're part of this culture and we live in this culture. But at the same time, you can be an advocate and a visionary behind the idea of, I was actually unhealthy or I wasn't able to conceive. Uh, my body was not fit to conceive at a size zero. So I'm experimenting and changing and I'm, you know, gaining weight and I'm trying to, to, to change things, my circumstances, the foods that I'm eating so that my body is fertile again and that I can have, you know, consider maybe one day having babies. And vulnerability here would be huge. I think the, I, I know it's hard, um, but if you could actually tell that to people who are important to you, um, I know a lot of people who have struggled personally with, you know, multiple miscarriages and it's really, it's really easy to take on the guilt, right, of, of that life occurrence happening, but it being your fault, which it's not. Um, and so I've had a lot of friends who have written about it. Um, and they post that in just personal blogs or whatever, you know, notepads. And they t and they post that stuff and they ask people to support them. And guess what? People do because they love you and want the best for you. So I think it would be really interesting if you use this as an opportunity to maybe talk about your circumstances within your own comfort level, but allow people to see and change people's perception of, hey, a size zero doesn't mean healthy and weight is not equivalent to health, right? And changes in weight doesn't all of a sudden make you healthy or unhealthy. And you can be healthy at a variety of weights and shapes. And that's what body acceptance really is all about, is accepting that your body is going to exist in a range or exist exactly where it needs to be in order to keep you alive and be on your side and make sure that you can do all the things that you want to in life. And for a lot of people, we try to force our body to, you know, a lot of people try to force their body to be a specific size. Um, and and that may, that that's kind of the, I wouldn't say the opposite of body acceptance, but that's what we've accepted as normal is to force our body to be something specific and on focusing solely on weight. And now we're trying to change that conversation to love your body, make make choices 
make health and fitness choices from a place of self-love, not from a place of hating your body and hating what it is, right? Because that's never going to lead to long-term changes or beneficial um, shifts mentally. Like self-hate and shame is never, ever, ever going to lead to long-term health and happiness. It's just not. So body acceptance is all about, I'm going to make the decisions that are right for my body, and I'm going to make those decisions from a place of self-love, and I'm going to make those decisions based on me being the boss, me being the boss of my body and what I think is best for it, and recognizing that I can pursue health um, separate from weight. Weight loss can be a side effect for some people, but and, and weight gain is a side effect from, for some people when pursuing health. But regardless, I'm going to choose self-love and I'm going to choose to team up with my body and and love it regardless and pursue the decisions and the health changes that are right for me. So that's that's what it's all about. And sure, there's definitely a misconception. Um, but you know what? I've gotten to a point where I don't care. I don't care about the people who don't think uh, the <laughs> This sounds really, no, I do care about the people who don't think the way I do because I love discourse. I love, you know, Steph and I don't think the same thing about, you know, everything. And I think that that's good. That makes us better. Even if we can accept that we have different opinions, that's cool. But I don't care about people who are going to look at me and uh, think that I should be uh, thinner or uh, that, you know, I've, uh, they are going to judge me based on changes in my weight and think that all of a sudden something is wrong with me or that I'm not as, um, uh, worthy of attention or attraction or any of the stuff because my weight has changed. Like, I just don't have time for those people anymore and I don't care about them. I used to, I used to be driven by, those types of people, those types of people who expected women to look like covers of fitness magazines, not saying anything's wrong with that, right? Not saying that being thin or being lean is there's something wrong with you. No, but that there are, is a small percentage of people who expect women to look that way, right? And that's that's what attractive is and that's what, you know, sexy is or whatever. Um, and I don't care about those people's opinion anymore. They're, they don't they're not they don't hold value to me because I don't hold the same values as them. Um, so that, sorry, that was a lot, but that's kind of the shift in, in the mentality when you're deciding to t- stand up for yourself, right? And saying, I'm going to continue to pursue down, go down this path, the path that's right for me and leave behind the people who are going to talk behind my back. Uh, it may be hard to like, to say goodbye to some of those people and maybe you can keep them at an arm's length, but I, you know, I just, when you're really you have so much, you only have so much energy in life to put towards certain things. And I really just, I'm not interested in putting it towards people who are like that. And I hope that maybe all of us as a community can can let go of some of that um, weight, you know, dead weight, like just let go of some of it. And if, and sometimes that's social media accounts, right? That's, that social media accounts that are maybe making you feel really bad about yourself or maybe more shame driven. Um, and, and sometimes that ends up being people. So, you know, that's, that's my insight on embracing an ever changing body. <laughs> Any additional thoughts, Stephanie? <laughs> no. Okay. Thank you for your support, Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) Question number two is from Leah. 
About a year and a half ago, I did a Whole30 and experienced that truly changed the way I thought about food and have since tried to focus on food as a way to care for fuel for and fuel myself and yes, enjoy rather than a routine. I didn't do great with reintroduction though, so I don't think I learned the needed lessons about how my body reacts to specific foods. During that 30 days, I saw my body shape change as inflammation went down, I was sleeping much better, daily headaches went away, my eczema was virtually cleared up, and I had a little less bloating. Since that time, I've maintained a mostly whole foods diet, but not been as disciplined about the dairy, non-gluten grains, occasionally gluten, added sugars, and alcohols. From time to time, I go Whole30 for a few days or weeks at a time to try to reintroduce again. She did point out she doesn't do it for the 30 days. She just does the the rule, so to speak, for, for a few days. And I never feel any difference as I try those potentially problematic flu- foods with the occasional exception of gluten, but only on pretty extreme days where I have, let's say, a bagel for breakfast and pizza for dinner. And I generally don't feel much, but notice it in bowel movements and a visible level of inflammation in my stomach. I've returned to my pre-Whole30 weight, though feel like I'm shaped differently. I don't remember gradually feeling differently, and the weight seems to come back five pounds at a time really suddenly. So here's my question. When it comes to listening to my body to better understand its reaction to food, what should I be looking for? Is it normal that small amounts of reintroduced things don't have an effect, and maybe I'm just hitting a tipping point? Should I be reintroducing in significant amounts, like the days where I eat a bagel and pizza? Should I be journaling or somehow tracking specific details rather than relying on memory? She does give us some more about her. She says she's good with her marathon stuff and has a better intuition about what her body can take and what works and what doesn't work, but can't nail it with food. Um, she's gone off hormonal birth control recently, um, and so that's kind of affecting her hormonal changes. Uh, she's had an increase in dairy cravings. Doesn't know if that's because of getting off the birth control. Uh, probably the other big thing, she just gives us a normal day of food, which is just, you know, larabar, salads, uh, pulled pork, coconut cauliflower, all the fun stuff. Um, she drinks one to three alcoholic drinks most days. Would that uh, make it harder to hear things that are happening in my gut? Is that the end? That is, that is the end. <laughs> okay, sorry. It was an anticlimactic um, ending there. Okay, so uh, that was Noel's fault, by the way. Not oh, great. Yours. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Appreciate it. So, um, okay, so to be clear, <laughs> to be clear, how do I ask this question and not be not sound like a total um i can't think of a good word to say jerk <clears throat> to be clear so you're wondering if these foods are problematic because they give you problems but only in s- larger doses right that that's the question that's being asked noel yes um yeah they do <laughs> they are problems um i i think that's perfectly normal that small amounts are tolerable by the body and large amounts are not. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I could maybe, I, I could end there. So that your body will deal with things that it considers to be problems, like 
it can deal with them reasonably well, but a higher dose, I think, can overwhelm the body. And I think that this means that overall, probably staying away from them is, is better than not. I think the small amounts every once in a while, like, sure, they'll fly under the radar. But I think if you react negatively to foods in a reasonably moderate to high, you know, higher dose, moderate dose, this probably indicates that there is something going on even at a smaller dose that you don't necessarily see or, or feel, you know, systemic inflammation and the like. And for that reason, I'd probably tend to avoid them more often than not. You know, people always say often in paleo, at the, in the smart thinking about paleo, I think that the poison is in the dose. And I totally agree, right? Even the healthiest foods you can have trouble with if you eat too much of them, like kale, for example, right? Because in high quantities, there are some anti-thyroid effects, super high quantities. So... The dose is really important, but that doesn't mean that at a smaller dose, the food that affects you negatively uh, isn't problematic. So that's, that's what I personally would do with these things. And I know that that's not exactly the question you were asking because you were asking um, about what to look for. But I think uh, anything is the answer to that question and doing what you can to help your body be well in and not have any symptoms, I think is uh, pretty important. <laughs> so, so what do you look out for? Uh, any symptoms, anything that you consider to be unpleasant, anything that you don't like, right? Um, sluggishness, fatigue, joint pain, um, skin changes, acne, eczema, rosacea, keratosis pilaris, uh, gastrointestinal problems are a big red flag, you know, uh, constipation, diarrhea, bloating, gas, whatever. Those things are really important. Mood changes, I think, are huge. You know, keep an eye on your moods. Keep an eye on uh, how happy or down you're feeling, how stable, how calm. Anxiety is, I think, by and large, a phys- physiological problem that should be tracked. How well are you sleeping? How much energy do you have? How well do you recover from workouts? Do you get really sore after workouts? Um, I could go on. <laughs> uh, headaches, pains anywhere, anything that feels bad, I think is something to look out for and I think could be related to food. And of course, then these things vary in degrees and you've noticed that, that you can react very slightly to things or you can react pretty negatively to things depending on the dose. And it's a question of how much you're willing to tolerate. But I do think that if there's something that goes on at a higher dose, that at the lower dose, you might want to be, you might want to at least be cautious. Um, that's, that's kind of all that I've got, to be honest. I know that it's really quick. Um, I know that we, you talked about specific things that you're doing, like coming off of the birth control pill and, some cravings you're having and the fermented cod liver oil that you're taking and the like. And these are all um, very relevant things. But I think that, I think that the general principle still, still applies, right? I I don't know if I necessarily need to get specific about what you're going through. Um, I think that if you're concerned that any symptoms you may be experiencing are related to recent changes in your life, then you should, 
test them, you know, hold your diet pretty steady and include fermented cod liver oil for two weeks and then don't and see if there's a difference. Right. Or I don't know. I mean, eating the dairy all the time is fine. I don't think you need to worry about that. I don't think you worry about those. You should worry about the um, cravings that you're having. It's possible that's related to the pill. I wouldn't really know. You know, the pill can have a lot of effects, not just on your hormone levels, but your neurotransmitters, which will affect your cravings. And I don't, unless you experience bad symptoms from the dairy, I don't think you need to worry about that. Um, and I, I think that's kind of it. Babe, what are you? Yeah, I, so this is a question that we do get a lot because it's one of those things. Um, paleo is all about take it out for 30 days and see what happens. And it's a little foggy, right? Some things are foggy. Sometimes we don't know if a change is really due to the food. Um, and, and this is the thing. Uh, sometimes it's due to a lot of things. It's due to the stress you're experiencing right now. It's due to your environment. It's due to, yes, the things that you're eating. So, for example, uh, when I go on vacation, sometimes I have, um, I'll react to foods differently. And this is actually the opposite of what a lot of people experience. But on vacation, I usually drink more. So I'll have more, you know, wine or whatever. And when I have wine and I also have maybe I'll have a little bit of dairy, uh, then I will react more like with more <laughs> um, the, the reaction will be much stronger in that in that environment. And that's because there are multiple things involved. So, yes, the dose does matter for sure. Um, and that's what tends to make things really foggy and complicated. Here's my general recommendations for the elimination diet thing. Um, I think that you maybe, Leah, have a tendency to overthink things because what you're telling me is literally like I think it's all pretty concrete evidence and you're kind of still teeter and tottering. Uh, don't be afraid to take authority um, and say, yeah. Seems like I did a lot better here, so I'm just, when I don't eat the foods, I feel better, and when I do eat the foods, I don't feel that great. That doesn't mean that you'll never be able to eat the foods again that don't make you feel as great, and it doesn't mean that when you eat those foods that don't make you feel as great, that you're a bad person or you should feel guilty or any of those things, right? It's just a trade-off. You can, uh, I choose to engage with certain foods that make me not feel my best, uh, because it's a mental thing, right? So it's like, I want to be able to eat certain foods, like, let's say coconut milk ice cream, it's, which is definitely dose dependent for me. I love a little bit of coconut milk, milk ice cream. I had a little bit last night, but I definitely could tell a difference this morning. Now, I made that decision because I really wanted ice cream, and uh, that was just something, I uh, a craving that I wanted to fulfill, but I, I didn't, I, I, it's not like I all of a sudden was like, well, I shouldn't have that because it's going to make me feel bad the next morning. No, I knew that it was probably going to make me feel not the best in the morning, but I still made the decision to have it. So I don't want you to think that just because you decide something doesn't make you feel that well means all of a sudden it's off limits and it has to be restricted, right? You have the freedom to choose whatever foods you want to eat and, you know, making some concrete assumptions about certain foods just by the way that you're interacting with them and how your body interacts with them. Um, doesn't all of a sudden make rules that you have to follow. I mean, it doesn't create rules that you have to follow uh, of, in, in, in essence, making the foods good and bad and giving them morality and all that stuff. So 
<clears throat> you told me, you, you've told us, after the 30 days, you did a 30-day elimination diet, essentially. Your inflammation went down. You were sleeping much better. Your daily headaches went away. Your eczema cleared up. You had a less bloated feeling. Less bloated feeling. So all of those things were things that you experienced after this 30-day period. Okay? Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that when you insert gluten or when you insert uh, a little bit of cheese, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden all of those things are going to come back. That uh, That's not typically how our body reacts to things. Much like you said, and I tend to find for a lot of my clients, most of the time it is dose dependent. So when you have a lot of things at once, you don't, you feel kind of crappy or if you have things regularly. So you tend to start including dairy every single day back to back. Some of those things are going to start to manifest again. You're going to sort of feel a little bit bloated. You're going to start to feel a little bit more inflamed, right? And so having those things regularly might bring back some of those symptoms. So how do you interact with foods knowing this information? You include them occasionally, you include them, and I know that sounds really simple, but um, if you're the type of person who, if you you want to have more freedom with, with food, you don't necessarily want to have this very restrictive mentality, you want to eat more intuitively, you're going to have to play that into your, your, your mentality. And I get it that there are certain foods that need to be 100% removed from a diet. So for example, like the uh, autoimmune paleo approach, um, if you're trying to heal a very specific condition or get on the other side of a specific condition, the insert of a small dose of something is most likely going to cause a flare-up um, for certain people like who have chronic diseases, right? And so certain foods like that may be a definite and necessary, I'm choosing not to engage with this because I don't want to have a flare-up. Uh, but in your case, it seems like it's just a little bit, there's a, there's a gray area there. And... Um, it's all up to you. It's your choice how you want to engage with these foods. But moving forward, I don't think you need to do another like here I'm a, I'm inserting in gluten and here I'm inserting in dairy. And by the way, doing things just for a few days or a couple weeks, in my opinion, is not enough time. OK, you do it for 30 days. That's just my recommendation. Certain things can manifest. Yes, after two weeks of taking something out and pulling it back in. But my recommendation is to at least do it for 30 days. And it seems like when you did it for the 30 days, you had a definite clear up of reactions. When I when I rec- when I I have clients do this, um, I recommend people take journals of their symptoms, what they're feeling, especially if it's something that's just happening on a daily basis before you do the whole 30 or before you do the 30-day elimination diet. You do the elimination diet and you continue to monitor your symptoms because if you per- if you pretend that you are going to remember, <laughs> you will not like uh, just don't even trick yourself. Going off of memory is never going to work. You got to write this stuff down. So recording all those symptoms before you start it, then record the, you know, the level and intensity of your systems as you're going symptoms as you're going through it. And then there at the end, as you start to bring foods back in, yes, absolutely. Kind of just lightly, you know, it doesn't have to be a whole food journal. Just record some of the things that you ate and then any changes that you saw in your symptoms. And that could include bowel movements and all that kind of stuff. And then you get to do what you want with that information. It's not necessarily like, okay, 
if I have a piece of bread, I don't feel bad. And then if I have two pieces of bread, I do feel bad. Some days that may be true. Some days that might not be true. And again, it's all due to the amount of stress that your body's experiencing, the inclusion of other foods, what other foods you've eaten, how you have the situation with your gut, if you ate probiotic foods that day. It's just, a, there's a lot of things that play into that. But I do think that you have some really great information. And I do think that what you're experiencing is more dose dependent. So the more you include, um, alcohol can definitely be a gut irritant. So, you know, in the presence of more alcohol, adding in dairy may cause more reaction for you. So moving forward, I would just, if you feel like you want to do another kind of 30-day thing, like a fresh start, and I would recommend recording your symptoms now, doing that elimination thing where you're taking out a few things, you're recording your symptoms, and then at the end, if you want to introduce them back, which you don't have to, um, but if you want to introduce them back, just monitor, you know, how you feel when you, you eat certain foods over the course of a couple weeks. Uh, and and interact with foods according to that, right? So I, I wish, I mean, I, I know I'm making it sound super simple, but you don't have to overthink that stuff. Sometimes you're going to react to a food. Sometimes you're going to feel inflammation or whatever and not feel that great. And so then you kind of back off, right? Then I, then for me, it's like, okay, I got to back off from that. And I'm, I take it out for a couple weeks and then I experiment maybe with just having it a little bit again and, and I do okay. And then I kind of get on a new schedule of, okay, well, then I can only have coconut milk ice cream once every two weeks, something like that. So, um, I wish it was more clear cut. It's not, but do what works for you. And uh, I think you've got some great evidence and, and move forward with interacting with foods how you'd like. Question number three is from Rachel. Hi, ladies. I newly discovered the podcast and have been listening nonstop over the past few weeks. I'm a mental health therapist, so I really enjoy hearing your perspectives on mindset and mental health around food. My question is related to acne, hormone regulation, and PCOS. I've been paleo for over a year now, and back in April of 2015, I went off my birth control pill in an effort to rid my body of all the added hormones and chemicals. I had been using the pill for about 10 years. Soon after coming off the pill, I broke out with horrible acne, particularly around my jawline. The acne was painful, itchy, and made me feel super insecure. I tried so many different remedies, oil cleansing, apple cider vinegar cleanses, you name it. I tried it and nothing seemed to help. During this time, my period was completely irregular. I had two periods over the course of seven months. Before birth control and while on the pill, I had always had a regular cycle, 28 days with very minimal symptoms. In November, I freaked out and went to my gynecologist in an effort to see what was going on. I was getting married in less than three months, and the idea of having a face full of acne was less than ideal. During my appointment, she stated that I had PCOS due to my acne in irregular periods and prescribed me the pill. I asked her if she needed to run any tests to confirm this diagnosis, and she said no, and that she could... That's a lie. I know, and that she could diagnose me sight on scene due to my symptoms in quotations. This made me super uncomfortable, so I asked for blood work. Well, it turns out, according to my blood work, that my levels were all normal. In fact, my testosterone was in the lower to normal range. I was relieved to know that I didn't have PCOS, according to my blood work, but I was also angry and confused that I was led to think that I had a condition that I did not have. And I never got any answer as to why I was experiencing these symptoms. I ended up getting back on the pill in an effort to clear my acne by my wedding day. In three months, my skin was 85% better, and I was back to regular periods. Now, after six months of the pill, my skin is almost completely clear and my body feels back to normal. I really don't know what 
I really don't want to stay on the pill, but I also don't want to be 29 years old and struggling with embarrassing acne. I haven't been back to my gyno because I'm frustrated with her, but I'm not sure what to do next. Any advice would be appreciated. She gives us some facts, predominantly paleo, 90% of the time, 100 grams of carbs a day, sleeps eight to nine hours, plenty of self-care. Thank you so much, Rachel. Steph, can you please tell people, this is huge. I cannot tell you how many people, this this is like such a common thing, and I know you know this. What are the things that people need to do for an appropriate PCOS diagnosis? Like, what are the things? There are three, technically, there are three things that you need in order to be diagnosed with PCOS. Uh, Two of three you need to have. There are three, you need two of three. The three things are elevated testosterone or other male sex hormone levels. That's one. Two is missing or irregular menstrual cycles. And three is an ultrasound demonstrating that you have cysts on your ovaries. You need two or two of those three things. So technically what the doctor said was incorrect. I mean, she, she made a reasonably good guess. And to be honest with you, I actually don't think she's wrong. (laughs) Um, it, what would be a good determinant of whether or not you had PCOS was if you had cysts in your ovaries. That 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 would be nice, right? Um, but even if you don't technically have polycystic ovaries, polycystic right cysts on the ovaries, um, even if you don't technically have that, you very clearly have hormonal hormonal imbalance of a sort that is leading to these symptoms. So it might not be a full blown PCOS, but it's definitely something in that neighborhood, and the pill is just covering it up. Or the pill, it causes it because your body got used to being on the pill. And so coming off of it, your body is just going to need a reasonable amount of time to adjust. You were on the pill for a very long time. So during that time, two things could have happened. One, I mentioned your body could have become dependent upon the pill, giving you your dose of estrogen and progesterone that your body needs and then coming off of it your body doesn't have quite the estrogen and progesterone that you need. Now, you said that your hormone levels are normal. I'd really like to see those results. I'd really like to know what hormones you got tested. You know, did your doctor just test testosterone? I don't know. And maybe your estrogen and progesterone are in normal ranges, but on the low end and what your body needs is for them to be on the high end. That's entirely possible, right? We can't just look at absolute values of these hormones, but we have to look at how they compare to one another And it's really nice to know what they should be for you naturally. And of course, we don't know. We can only guess. So that's one thing that could have happened while you're on the pill. Another thing that could have happened is that you stumbled into developing PCOS as a health condition while on the pill, but the pill covered it up. And now you're no longer on the pill and it's, uh, you know, it it gets, it's cut loose and it does whatever it, it wants to you. Uh, that's a possibility. And for that, I would want to point you towards working on gut healing and reducing inflammation because I think those are two of the primary drivers of well, what can cause PCOS to sort of arise in someone. That being said, I think that I would like to point to CrossFit as your issue. <laughs> um, so you said that your hormone levels were normal. I'm willing to bet, I I wouldn't put too much money on this, but I would bet some that your doctor tested your testosterone levels, but not your DHEAS levels. Now, DHEAS is a male sex hormone. It acts like a male sex hormone and it causes acne. 
in the body, but it's not produced by the reproductive organs. It's made by the adrenal glands. And when you're also, when your body makes this in the adrenal glands, it steals sort of hormonal resources from the production of estrogen, progesterone, and female sex hormones that would balance it. So not only does your body produce more of this male sex hormone, but it produces less of this fem- of the female stuff, which is why taking the pill helps, right? Because it gives you more of the female stuff, which helps with skin a lot. So this DHEAS, I'm guessing that your levels are probably reasonably high. And DHEAS is produced as a response to stress. And this happens with psychological stress. It happens with poor sleep. You know, it, it happens with a lot of different kinds of stress, but it also happens with undereating and with overexercising. And I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how many CrossFit athletes I know as women who struggle with this kind of acne. There's a lot of them. And I, I believe it is because of this stress. I believe that if you CrossFit, if you work out a lot and you don't eat enough carbohydrates and 100 grams per day CrossFitting five to six days a week, I simply don't think it's enough. And if you don't refuel well enough after these workouts, your testosterone levels and your cortisol levels can become chronically elevated. So I don't think that having muscle is necessarily an issue per se, but the act of building muscle can be because it's stressful and also even more so if you don't refuel well afterwards. So after you work out, I think you should eat a huge dollop of carbs and protein, um, you know, a hundred grams or whatever, eat a lot, 50 grams of carbs at least I would guess, and half as much protein, ballpark, a third as much. Um, And I think that that could really help you. To be honest with you, I think the best thing would be to stop. I really do. Maybe do some yoga or some walking instead. Uh, I think doing this might not solve the problem immediately, but I think that over the course of a few weeks, you could see some real changes. And I think it's worth playing with. You know, being on the pill is is fine. I don't think it's it causes serious health issues if you're not struggling with symptoms. But in the long run, it's it's not it's not doing anything for you if you want to have children because you're going to have to come off of it eventually in order to conceive. And at that point, what are you going to do? It, it's so it's sort of a stopgap. And this question, this issue, will have to be addressed. Eventually, I would personally rather do it sooner rather than later, but that's up to you. And I don't, I have zero judgment as to when you decide to do that. Um, What I would do is probably cut back on the CrossFit, up my carb intake, up my calorie intake and stay on the pill for a month or two and then come off of it. And you might have an easier transition coming off of it than if you had previously, you know, without having relaxed first. So I would, I would maybe do it that way. Personally, as to, you know, what to do about your PCOS or whatever it is. um, I I think that it's, it's probably, I think that it's probably not something to worry about, but you really honestly don't know unless you come off of the pill and, and monitor your menstrual cycle and monitor your symptoms you don't know if you have PCOS unless you let your body tell you. And if you get tested while you're on the pill, 
or when you recently come off of it, the, the test will be skewed because the external hormone input. So that being said, if you want to do it with your PCOS, you're going to have to um, probably get off the pill. And I say deal with your, okay, deal with your PCOS. Deal with the potential of maybe having PCOS. Because at this point, I really do think that it's it's probably not quite uh, the entrenched, I have a condition issue that a lot of people struggle with with PCOS. It may, in fact, uh, just be sort of put your body pushing yourself towards it because of the hormonal situation you're in right now in your life. So that's it. Um, I... PCOS is kind of my shtick. If you struggle with PCOS or with this kind of stuff, please um, head to my website where I write about it a lot. And I have a program for it called PCOS Unlocked that has, I think, been reasonably helpful for a reasonably um, large number of women. So uh, check it out. Let me know what you think. And yeah, the stuff. That's the stuff. That was very helpful, Stephanie Ruper. Thanks, Noel Tarr. Mm -hmm. Any other announcements before we sign off? No, I'm super excited to see y'all next week. Me too. It's going to be a great week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it from us. For more from me, head over to coconutsandkettlebells.com. For more from Stephanie, go to paleoforwomen.com. Follow us on Instagram at Paleo Women Podcast. Also, if you love the show, please leave a review. We would appreciate it so much. You can go to coconutsandkettleballs.com slash review. It'll take you straight to iTunes and you can say, hey, think you're awesome. Thanks. Bye. And we will love you for it. (laughs) Kidding. Bye. (laughs) That's all you have to say, literally. Yep. That's it. Talk to you guys next week.